0: Why should Christians be generous? Why should Christians be generous? 4 I'm going to give you four reasons. The first one is this, to express gratitude to God. That's the first reason. Why should Christians be generous? Because it's an opportunity for us to express gratitude to God. Look at some of the things that Paul writes to the Corinthians. One we, we looked at, we've been looking at, but if you back up to 2 Corinthians Eight, verse 9, we see this passage again, a very important passage here in this section of the letter. Now remember, this letter is Paul's attempt to uh, take up a collection for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who are suffering in poverty and in need. He's taken up a collection among the church, Gentile churches that he planted, among them the church in Corinth. And he writes to them, 2 Corinthians 8-9, he tells them something. He says, for you know, as he's he's taking up this collection, as he's attempting to, to mobilize Christians to act, he tells them why. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty, might become rich. That's, a, that's another way of preaching the gospel to the Corinthians. That's the gospel. And so he's saying that generosity is a response to God's grace towards us in the gospel, God's grace towards the Corinthians in the gospel. He's saying that you should be generous the way Jesus has been generous to you. It's only right that we should be express our gratitude to God in this way. He also says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, look at verse 7. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, and then he tells them not. He says, so each one must give as he decided in his heart, not this way. It's a, a helpful way to communicate is to contrast. Not this, but that. So he starts off by saying, each one should give in this way, not this way, not reluctantly. What's that mean? Unwilling. Hesitant. He's saying not in an unwilling way, not in a hesitant way, not reluctantly. and Then he says, not under compulsion what's paul mean there he means not compulsion is the act of being forced to do something he says it earlier he says not as an exaction not not reluctantly not under compulsion but how He says, God loves a cheerful giver, that giving should be done. Generosity is an expression of gratitude to God. It's not done hesitantly. It's not done unwillingly. It's not not done because it's, it's, it's being forced upon you. It's an expression of gratitude, the quality of being thankful. It's a readiness in our hearts to show appreciation. This is how we give. We give in light of the gospel. In the New Testament, the doctrine is grace, the ethic is gratitude. Doctrine, the truth of the New Testament is grace. The new, that's, that's what the New Testament is all about, is a reflection on the grace of God towards sinners in Jesus, through Jesus. So the doctrine, the truth is Grace. Where do we see grace? God made you who were poor to become rich by becoming poor in your place. Uh, Not because you deserved it. Not because, he, not because he looked at you and saw something that was merited and other people don't merit that. No. It was, be, it was all because of grace. All of us spiritually poor, spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, spiritually dead. And God in his mercy made us alive in Christ. That's grace. That's the doctrine of the New Testament. Doctrine is grace. But what does grace produce? It produces an ethic. It produces an ethic as a prescribed behavior. So what Paul is saying is in light of God's grace towards you, that should produce something in you. What should it produce? Gratitude, which then fuels our generosity. Gratitude is prompted By the knowledge of grace in our heads and the power of grace in our hearts. Gratitude is produced when there's this knowledge of grace in our heads and the power of grace at work in our hearts. When God does that, he creates people that are filled with gratitude. And that gratitude is what fuels our generosity. One of the reasons I'm saying that Christians should be generous first, right out of the gates, is an expression of our gratitude to God. Generosity is an expression of unending gratitude for unbelievable grace. Unending. It goes on and on and on. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You're never gonna, you'll, you'll never outgrow or outdistance your need to be grateful to God for the, for the grace that He's shown you. There's one of those hymns, we sang it I think on Good Friday, with, that, that talks about, let, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for Thee. Let me never, ever, ever outlive my awareness, the awareness and appreciation I have to God for His grace towards me. This is why we talk about preaching the gospel to ourselves, because I need to be reminded of this. I got to the end of the week, didn't feel particularly grateful, didn't feel particularly filled with the Spirit, didn't feel particularly joyful, but it was my responsibility to lead the men's Bible study. So I showed up at the men's Bible study dealing with some of those feelings. But after spending time looking at Colossians three and then talking about it with a group of men, my perspective changed. The Lord reminded me of his grace towards me. He reminded me through listening to other men share of God's grace towards them. That's why we need fellowship. That's why you can't do it on your own. You get stuck in your own thoughts and you end up in bad places. We need one another. Generosity is an expression of unending gratitude for, I said, unbelievable grace. It's actually not unbelievable. It's almost unbelievable. If it wasn't believable, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be saved, right? I was trying to make a point. But but it's, it's the, you know, Tolkien said this. I, I know I say this to repeat this to you. It's like the gospel is too good to be true, except it's true. <laughs> when it comes to generosity, friends, it's not I get to, it's not I got to, it's I get to. When it comes to generosity, the look on our faces is not, it shouldn't be I got to, it should be I get to. <laughs> It's not I got to, it's I get to. It's not I got to, it's I get to. Why? Because generosity is an expression of my gratitude to God. And I don't got to give him gratitude. I get to give him gratitude because I was lost and on my way to hell. And he saved me by his grace. So it's not I got to, it's I get to. You feel that way this morning? That's what should propel us. That's what should motivate us to be generous people. Why should we be generous? First, to express gratitude to God. Second, to help those in need. So we're talking about reasons. Why should we be generous? To express gratitude to God, to help those in need. 2 Corinthians 9, 12. So look at verse 12. For the ministry of this service is supplying the needs of the saints. It says it's not only supplying the needs of the saints, so it's doing more than that. But one of the things it's doing is it's supplying the needs of the saints. It's helping those who are in need. Verse 13. This I'm going back to to 2 Corinthians 8 verse 13. For I don't mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that Paul talks here about a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. There's this, there's this meeting of needs that Paul is talking about. Verse 15, it says, As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered a little had no lack. Remember when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan? Some of you know the parable of the Good Samaritan. Man's laying down injured on the side of the road and a bunch of people walk by just leaving him there. And a bunch of the people that walked by should have known better because they were like preachers and pastors. Probably taught this kind of stuff to people. But the Samaritan, which is a real shock in that parable, because you don't expect the Samaritan to do this, the Samaritan showed a generosity that came at great cost to himself. It's a lot easier to describe a generous person than it is to be one. It's a lot easier to teach about generosity than it is to actually be generous. It's a lot easier to know some things about generosity than to actually be a generous person. But Jesus told that story to answer a question. There was a question he was seeking to answer with that story. The question was this, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to show kindness to. Who do I have to, the scripture says I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. So so Jesus is helping us answer that question. Who's the neighbor? Who do you have to love as you love yourself? And Jesus' answer wasn't just the person who lives in close proximity to you. Was Any and every person you meet is your neighbor. And their need, once you see it, you should do your best to relieve it. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a major challenge, right? We need wisdom. I, how can I do that? It doesn't mean that we have to relieve all the needs. It's that we should have a mindset of how we can do our best. To relieve those things, J.I. Packer says that the essence of a Christian's existence is love. The essence of a Christian's existence is love. And love is not just a matter of words, but of actions. Whenever I share I've shared these statistics with the church before, uh, but whenever I share these statistics, I'll start talking about the average income of people who, whom live, who live in the Downingtown school districts. So Downingtown East, Downingtown West. We'll use that as an illustration. I know all of you don't live in those districts. But the average income of families, of the households, in the Downingtown East, Downingtown West School District. You can get this data from the. You just you can just look this stuff up. It's 120 thousand dollars a year. That's average. Now, so some of you might be sitting there thinking, I'm I ain't making that. <laughs> Which means then there's a people, a lot of people in the Downingtown East and West School District who making a lot more than that. This is a rich area, guys, that we live in. But every time I share that story, uh, people from the church come up to me and tell me, "I just want to let you know, I ain't in the average." (laughs) I don't know who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it ain't me. (laughs) I'm trying to. I'm up here preaching Generosity Project. I'm trying to. But some of those people that I have spoken to, I know to be some of the most Generous people at Brandywine Grace Church. How can you say that? Because generosity isn't measured by the line item of how much you give. Generosity is measured the way Paul is measuring it here. If you if we asked we said this last week if you asked Paul, "Hey Paul, how much should I give? You're taking up a collection. How much should I give?" He wouldn't answer and he didn't answer 10%. He'd answer this way, "Give all that you readily, easily and comfortably can and then prove your wholehearted devotion to God by giving a little more." That's generosity. And there are people at Brandywine Grace who fall into lower, lower income brackets that serve as an example to many of us who live in the higher income brackets because their definition of generosity lines up with Paul's, with God's. And it helps those that are in need. I was just talking to uh, one of my kids, a runner, uh, seeking to, to, to do better in uh, a race that she had. Not, I'm not a, a runner, although I'm looking here now. I can tell my family's going to start mocking me in just a minute. I see You guys, you don't see what I see. They all start, they all start talking. Their phones come out. They start texting one another. I know what I'm dealing with here. So I'm not a runner. I <laughs> we're going to hear about this all day. I'm not a runner, but I do like to give, you can give perspective, you can give counsel on things, right? So I was just trying to motivate my youngest who was getting ready for a race, the distance race, and, and I had this... This word of wisdom, which I think was, is and was and, and is and will function as a good word of wisdom for all of us. I looked down through the times of, of the racers. You get heat sheets. I looked at where she was, and I looked at some people that were about 10 seconds ahead of her. And so I, said, I, I, said, I thought this would be good counsel. I said, listen, do you know who that is? Then, then, then that person is about 10 seconds faster than you. I want you to get on their hip. Like, get on them. Keep them on your side. Like, you can do this. Just stay with them, and you'll be 10 seconds faster. I don't know. I don't think she even read the text, but <laughs> I think I'll... I'll share it with you guys. Do you know someone who you identify as generous? Maybe a little bit ahead of you as God defines generosity. Get on their hip and try to keep up with them. Try to learn from them. What is it? What are they doing? What are the principles? What, what ideas, what habits have they formed that are helping them to be generous the way God has called us to be generous. Get on their hip and try to stay with them to the finish line. Why should we be generous? We should do it to express gratitude to God. We should do it to help those in need. Thirdly, another reason for why we should be generous, to show our commitment to Christ. To show our commitment to Christ. Chapter 8 again, just flip over to chapter 8. He writes this, verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. In other words, we should finish what we start. And then he says, verse 7, but as you excel in everything, you excel in faith, you excel in speech, you excel in knowledge, you excel in all earnestness, and you excel in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also a reason to be generous is to show our commitment to Christ to finish what we've started by God's grace he opened our eyes he warmed our hearts he changed us he saved us and he compelled us to follow him and in following him and we started to follow him we need to finish following him right Finish the race. Following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. We're just trudging along, walking, one foot in front of the other. And one of the ways in which that, that, that uh, discipleship is, is shown, one of the fruits of that discipleship is generosity. I said it last week. It's worth repeating. There's no discipleship where there's no stewardship. You can fake a lot of things in a Christian life. You might be faking right now. You can fake worship, c- come in and get all passionate. You could fake that. You could fake personal holiness. You could fake uh, your love for the lost. You could fake your knowledge of the Bible. You could fake prayers. Jesus was constantly correcting people for praying hypocritical prayers. You can fake those things. One thing you cannot fake. Is your money management? Your checkbook going to tell on you? The word disciple actually means learner. You might say it this way. Grace commends us to practice being the disciples that God has called us to be. Grace commends us to practice, to continually practice to be the disciples that God has called us to be. So, Brothers and sisters, if we are not actively traveling the path of generosity, it will have to be said of us that we are deficient disciples. Which means then, we have to change our ways. How do we change our ways? Great book, Atomic Habits. If you haven't read it yet, you should. James Clear. He says says something that I I feel like has influenced me greatly. He says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Another way of saying it. We don't rise to the level of our lofty goals. We fall to the level of our habits. So so his whole point is, it's great to have goals, but in order to accomplish your goals, you need to start or continue doing some things that we call habits. So if you don't change your habits, you most likely will never reach your goals. So we do that all the time. Beginning of the year, we set all these lofty goals, and then at about... January 25th, we decide, man, too, too much. I, I, can't, I can't achieve these goals. That was way too much, way too much of a resolution. Can't do it. And then we wait until next year and we establish these lofty goals. And he's saying, well, establish your goal, what you, be, what you want to be, how you want to be changed, and then take a look at your habits and just start forming some habits that if you actually do those things consistently over time... You'll actually reach your goals. I think of Amy's parents. They are they probably real uncomfortable now, they're shrinking down in their seat. They they I think they would say this. I think I've observed them for a long time. They would have a goal of being physically fit. They 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 desire to be physically fit, but if you hang around with them. You won't find them talking all the time about their goals of being physically fit, and that, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. They, but this is what they do. They have this as a goal, and so they created a habit a long time ago, and they modify their habits over time. But right now, they get up in the morning, they have a cup of coffee, and then they go for a walk, a long walk, every day. It's a habit. They don't even think about it. Get up, drink some terrible coffee. <laughs> They're Dunkin' Donuts people or, or Folgers something. <laughs> drink some coffee, put on their exercise clothes or whatever, and then go for a long. It is such a habit with them that if they aren't doing that when I call or when I check in with them, that would be cause for alarm because they do that every single day, rain, sleet, snow, or shine. They're in good shape, not because they have these lofty goals; they just formed a habit. Let's uh, let's just commit to one another. We're going to have coffee, and then we're going to go for a long walk. That's how you change. You form a habit, and you stick to it. We can do the same with our giving. Just decide what your, what your goal is. We said last week, let's use, let's use 10% as a crutch. Let's use it as a guide. Well, well, even back up, if you're not giving anything to God right now, why don't you start with something? What will you do? Get that napkin out, just like my friend, and, and decide, you know what? I'm giving nothing. This year, I'm going to give 2%. I gave nothing. I've been giving nothing. I'm going to give 2%. And this is the habit. As soon as I get paid, I'm going to take 2% off of that, and I'm going to give it to God. And start doing that over time. You'll reach your goals. And then next year, reevaluate. You know what? I want to get... I want to give a little more to God in light of all he's given to me. All right, so we're talking about reasons why Christians should be generous, to express gratitude to God, to help people in need, to show our commitment to Christ. Fourth reason, fourth and final reason, to glorify God. To glorify God. To to, to, to uh, To display somehow through our actions the great worth of God. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 11 through 13. Look at what Paul writes. He says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So, do you see what he's saying there? You're going to be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which is going to produce something. What's it going to produce? Praise to God. Thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the, service, of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, so it's going to meet real needs, but even more than that, it's going to overflow in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God. Do you see this right here in the Scriptures? It's right there, guys. It's right there. Why should we be generous? Because we glorify God through our generosity. Paul's working hard to organize this collection. He's working hard to facilitate it. He's writing letters. He's sending people ahead of him. He's working hard to lead this collection. He's working hard to carry this collection to completion. Who's he doing it for, though? He's not doing it for himself. He's not doing it for his fame. He's doing it For the fame of Jesus. He's doing it for the glory of God. He's not looking for personal praise. Your perspective on him and what he's doing there is not what is important to Paul. It's not what's driving Paul. What's driving Paul is the glory of God, is pleasing God with, with him just doing the best he can with what he has. He just wants to see thanksgiving that glorifies God. As Christians, we should plan to be generous in a way that will draw out of others praise and thanks to God. That's what every act of obedience is is ordinarily intended to do. It's intended, every act of obedience, to draw attention to Jesus, to put attention on Jesus. When we're big-hearted, and we're we're the generous people that God has called us to be, people get a glimpse of Jesus. That's why we want to be generous people, because we want... Others, we want the world, it's lost and broken, to get a glimpse of Jesus. And and how does that happen? Paul is teaching the Corinthians, God is teaching us, applying the Spirit to our hearts and helping us see that one of the ways that happens is when we live generously towards a God who's been generous to us. It brings glory to God. I was texting a young man recently, let me get the band to return. I was texting a a young man recently, a young man that was in the youth ministry that I led. He doesn't live here anymore. He was a part of Brandywine Grace, helped us found it. When we planted it, he came along, had the privilege of discipling him for years, and and helped him when he was falling in love, and married him to a great young woman. And now they live in another state, and they have a family. And uh, we were just texting one day, and I I was reminded that God has really blessed this guy. Like he has his own business now, and like God has really blessed it, Re- big time. And so I just we were just texting and passing. We don't we talk like once a year. We don't even talk that much. But we were just texting, and I I said to him, I said, man, God has been really generous. To you, I hope that you're remembering to be generous in response. It was just—it wasn't like a barb. It was just like someone I knew. It was just a uh, a pastoral, fatherly, gospel-centered reminder. It wasn't a rebuke. And he texted me back, just one phrase. He said. I'm trying to make as much as I can so that I can save as much as I can so that I can give as much as I can. And I said, I have my phone. I said, whoa. Where do you get that? He said, you told me that. I said, you preached that. The last time I did a sermon series on giving, he was there in the movie theater. It took me a while. I do actually remember saying it now, but I didn't even remember it. I just thought it was a great quote. I wanted to give somebody the credit. I wanted to use it. (laughs) Your words and your life can have this incredible impact on others. Do you see that, church? That's why Paul says, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. God the Father gives. Gives us Jesus. Jesus gives his life. The Holy Spirit continues to give. Paul gives, the Corinthians give, I give, you give, we give, others give. A chain reaction of generosity that spreads the fame of Jesus. Chain reaction, and we get to be a part of it. What a privilege. Don't you want that? Don't you wanna be a part of that chain reaction of generosity? Let's go, church. Let's not miss out. God's given us reasons why we should be generous and big-hearted so that we can express gratitude, so that we can help other people in need, so that we can show our commitment to Jesus, so that we can glorify God. And if we keep these reasons in mind, we'll become the generous, big-hearted people that God has called us to be. Let's go, church, for the king. Let's stand and worship our generous God.